Revived Thoughts is a production of Revive Studios. This is Troy and Joel, and you are listening to Revived Thoughts. But as surely as these two points are found in one individual, God declares, not that I declare it, but God declares it, that they will be saved. Every episode, we bring you a different voice from history in a sermon that they delivered to date. We're hearing a sermon from George Mueller. It was delivered in 1887 in England. Troy, how are you doing? Hey, Joel, I am doing as good as can be expected. We um, we are doing our first episode cross-country, not cross-country. You cross are on country, the other side, <laughs> cross-planet. Cross You're planet. on the other there side of the planet. <laughs> You're currently in a hotel room, so if it sounds a little bit different, that's why, and it'll probably be that case uh, for a couple episodes here as we get situated, but you're going through quarantine over there in Cambodia. That's correct. So me and my wife and my children, we are in a hotel. We're not allowed to leave our hotel rooms for 14 uh, days, and currently, if you're listening to this in real time, you're hearing me on day 12, so we have... Uh, Lord willing, if we test, everything tests okay tomorrow, then on Friday, uh, we will be good to go to leave and be done with quarantine, which would be fantastic and wonderful. That is something we are definitely hoping to have happen for us. So we're a little bit tired. Um, staying in a small room with two kids all day, it can make it pretty tired. Yeah, but hey, you know, the show must go on. Praise the Lord, you got some, <laughs> some decent internet there in uh, in your hotel. Uh, and I, I feel good. I feel good to be back recording yeah. you know good old good old-fashioned revive thoughts episode george mueller george mueller goes back in a revive thoughts history he does this is one of literally the very first episode of revive thoughts it was an episode we did on george mueller and this was years ago at this point literally yeah. it's hard to believe almost three years ago we recorded this pilot episode we recorded it back when troy lived in Florida, it's, it's hard to believe you now lived in three different places over the course of <laughs> making Revive Thoughts. A lot of things have changed in uh, the way we do Revive If you go back and listen to that first episode, um, it'll sound very different. We have definitely found, you know, a, we've become more comfortable with our rhythm and, and the style of the show. We were still kind yeah. of figuring things out and what the show was at that point, but still a great episode, still a great sermon. The sermon holds up great. Uh, yes. in that first George Miller episode. If you don't know anything about George Miller or you've never heard a George Miller episode, I think you're really going to like this one. George Miller is one of my favorites uh, of all time. So, Troy, take it away. Yes. It's actually quite interesting, too. As I was writing this script, I was like, wow, the first episode of Revive Thoughts that we ever did was on George Miller. And here I am writing the first episode of us, you know, apart again, me and me in Cambodia and you in the U.S. Um, will be George Mueller. It felt very, uh, it felt, you know, that I don't know, nostalgic's the word, but it felt very like, ah, that's a nice, there's something there to that. So that first sermon is Real Faith. Go and download it and listen to it if you're an older listener to Revive Thoughts. If you're new, if this is like your first episode, I don't really recommend that you go back to that one. We had a lot of kinks to work through. The um, It's a really good sermon and episode, <laughs> I, but if you do go back, be patient with it because we were, I mean, it was our first one. So there were some it things might, we it were doing. It might sound kind of rough. <laughs> it doesn't sound quite, I think, is, I think we've gotten better with time. Hopefully the listener would agree. Yeah, George Mueller, we're going back to the early 1800s. He really kind of just owned the 1800s as a century as a whole. He was born in 1805, and he would go into the late 1800s Yeah, with his ministry uh, that spanned 
so, so many, it touched so many people and so many generations of people. Uh, in Prussia, he was born, and he was actually born to a different name, but when he went to England, he ended up changing his name to what we know it as now, as George Miller. Troy, do you know what his name originally was? Because I do not. It was something like Johannan George, and then a couple, and it actually, weirdly, so we, and um, I, this might be super boring, but we, we, we write it as Mueller because we don't have a U with like two little dots above it like they do in German, but he would always put his name U with two little dots above it, and his nephew asked him, like, why do you, why do you do the little dots every time? Like, wouldn't Mueller be the same? And he said, no, it should actually be pronounced Meller. But I don't know that anybody has ever called. I've never heard anybody re- re- refer to him <laughs> as Miller. George Miller. So we're going to keep calling him George Mueller because that's what, if nothing else, we English-speaking people have done to his name. And so that's how we all know him. Hey, that's a that's a great little party uh, fact that you can sound uh, pretentious. <laughs> you know, it's actually pronounced uh, Mueller. Uh, or, you call you him know. George Mueller. I call him Johann and oh. Jorge Mueller, you know. <laughs> uh, well, George Mueller is how we know him uh, today. And... You know, for for what he became, he started off one one of one of the the most troublemaking kids you could possibly uh, find. He, admittedly, looking back on his life, said that he was about the most wicked, unrepenting person that there could be. He gambled a lot. He was a thief a lot. His dad worked uh, for the government um, in his job, and George would steal money from the government through his dad. And this was all. I mean, he's he's ten years old at this point, so. It, you know, we, we would call him a rotten kid. But, I, all I know <laughs> is at the age of 10, I still thought dinosaurs were pretty cool and Legos weren't too bad. So he was a lot worse than me. <laughs> at age 14, his mother was ill and she was dying and his father called him uh, to come home and to be with his mother. But he was out partying and drinking and uh, he declined to come home and he, he looks back on his life later on and, and regrets that decision. But his story, I mean, it, it's it's an incredible testimony Uh, to Christ's changing power. He started off as rough as you can get, and God got a hold of his heart, and he did some incredible things through him. Uh, It's funny because some of the people I think that God uses the most, they start almost as like the absolute worst people. I'm thinking of Samuel P. Jones, who was like literally a a drunken alcoholic, you know, family abuser, just a terrible man. Uh, C.I. Schofield, who had drank his business into the ground and lost his family. Um, Carol, Christmas Evans. We've covered so many amazing men on this show who just seem to be as far away from Christ as humanly possible. And then when, what Christ does in them and through them, they reach so many people. And, and of course, if you go back to the scriptures, we see, you know, Paul the Apostle. He really fits that mold. I mean, he, he's probably the original of that mold of just a man who is so far from Christ, and yet God does so much through them. So this is just something that our faith can do. But Mueller was also quite a skeptic at this time. His dad said, hey, you know what? You should go become a trained priest, a Lutheran priest, because he was in Germany. Um, They always have a steady income. You won't have to always steal as much anymore. Mueller was always hard up for cash. He had snuck out of hotels to avoid paying for them. And eventually he got his way tossed into jail for his like thug-like thief behavior. And when he came out, that was when his dad kind of worried about him, worried like, hey, you know, I'm not, his dad's not a moral righteous guy, but his dad doesn't want his son to end up, you know, in jail. And so he goes, if you're so worried about money, why don't you go become a priest because they they just are just always going to have a few bucks on hand 
So George goes to a Bible school in the area, but he was known for mocking the sincere and devout students at the school. And I just really wonder what kind of school he went to. Because, uh, you know, Joel and I, we, we met at Bible college. I can't imagine a guy who just goes around making fun of everybody being allowed. But he was the life of parties. He was like a frat boy kind of person, too. He was just well-known at that time. Um, at one point, he and his friends, and he was well-known not for being a good guy. At one point, he and his friends decided to take a summer trip to Switzerland. And they needed permission before the school would let them go from their fathers. And George Mueller just forged all of the signatures for his friends to go so that they could go. So in no point do you see him like turning the corner on this. He's still that rough guy, even at like a Bible school. Yeah. So one day uh, his friends invite him to an off-campus Bible study between friends. And George agrees to go, but he, he says he was only going really to uh, get more material, to, to craft better jokes, to make fun of christians with which i mean that's commitment to your to your trade of making fun <laughs> of christians he's doing research he's putting in hours as to better make fun of of christians with but god used it and he found out he he actually really liked the interaction that atmosphere of love and true devotion to truth was different than what he had experienced before and he wanted to be a part of it up until that point uh, he talks about how they had studied dry doctrine, but this small Bible study was the first time that he saw people worshiping and singing and speaking freely. And he said he wanted to be a part of it. He wanted to come again and again and again. And he went every day that week. And by the end of the week, he had given his life to Christ through the testament of his friends. And you have to, like, that. that's interesting. That's That means something because... Not all the formal education in the world, all of his environment in the world uh, didn't nudge him to Christ at all. It was really the testament of a friend that reached out to him that ended up bringing him to Christ. And and I do think that's kind of a, a something we can implement into our life is to be aware. Because George, he was not a good person. I mean, he was a thug by all accounts. He was someone that's undesirable, but yet someone saw him and extended that hand of invitation, extended that... Uh, offered to invite him to a Bible study, and, you know, that's that's what the Lord used. So George Mueller comes to a faith in Christ, and this changes everything, everything for him. He is soon a passionate, righteous man, dedicates himself to missions. Um, he tells his father the news, and his dad is not happy about it. He's like, hey, I sent you to school to be a priest to make some money. I didn't send you there to go lose money as a missionary who has to like require support and all that stuff this is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do his dad says like if you don't give up this mission business i'm gonna cut you off i won't pay for your school and he's he says no i'm called to do this i'm gonna be a missionary and so his dad says fine and i'm cutting you off so his dad does cut him off and won't pay for his schooling he returns to the school that he was at with no way to pay for his tuition um, he said he just prayed every day that god would find a way to make ends meet for him um, and one day, as tuition was getting close to getting due, uh, some American professors show up at the school, and they ask George, hey, you know, do you mind being a translator for us? We don't have a translator. You seem like, a, you know, you seem like you can do the job. Would you be able to do it? And they offer him quite a bit more than translators normally get paid. It was quite a high sum. And he goes, it was enough to cover the tuition. So, of course, he takes the deal, and things work out. This is an important moment. It would be easy to kind of say, like, okay, we're spending a lot of time talking about George Mueller in school. But in this moment, Mueller 
it will eventually become famous for this idea that you can pray for all of your needs in Christ, that he's world famous. He's literally affected several different people you've heard about from Hudson Taylor to Charles Spurgeon to Jim Elliott, many really important people in the faith emulated and and knew him for this fact. I mean, some of these people like Charles Spurge and Hudson Taylor actually knew him, but like they, they, this was what he was known for. What he will become known for is this idea that he, if he, if you have a need, go to the Lord and pray and pray and pray and really believe and trust that God will answer that prayer. And as far as we can tell, this is the moment where it started. He had no money for school. He had nothing but prayer. So he turned his heart and his time over to prayer. And the Lord answered that prayer with these American uh, professors, giving him this opportunity to translate. So now he was able to go to school. Uh, He had no plan to get by, but God provided that way and gave him the reward for that leap of faith he took. And I think that this is at least partially the beginning of where that, um, I don't want to say philosophy, but where that worldview of his yeah. came from. That faith missions is, is kind of what we refer to it today. This idea that, yeah, you go in with not a lot of plans, just with the confidence that the Lord will provide anything you need to, to do what he's called you to. So after school, he decides to become a missionary. He wanted to uh, be a missionary to the Jews, and he went to England to train with the London Missionary Society, but he got sick while in training, and he was unable to uh, complete it at that time. He also started attending meetings at the Plymouth Brethren, although uh, they didn't seem to be called that at that time. But they would eventually, and he would be considered a, a founding member there. He became convinced that the world was coming to an end and that there was no time to waste. And so he started preaching and developed a congregation, and soon he had a church there in England. But he took no salary, and he had made a promise that he would never ask for a dime from the church. And he did away with this habit of, in that day it was common to rent pews to congregants to families and stuff like that they would kind of pay for a pew and that was their way of kind of uh paying tithes to the church and uh, that would pay the pastor's salary but they didn't do that at uh george Mueller's church and just that that was his motto that they would not ever take salary from the church they would never take money from the church his family uh, never went without food or rent money and it was all provided from the lord through miracles month after month just through his prayer god provided for him around this time uh this is the industrial age of england you know the industrial revolution is kicking in people are dying in the factories and there's a a lot of poverty in england at this time and there was a real need for orphanages i mean Mueller noticed that pretty much every day he would just see kids in the streets with no parents to take care of them he wanted to start one, but his congregation told him that, you know, we don't really do orphanages in England, um, which I did not know that, but that, I guess, was not something that was very common at the time in England. Uh, but he believed God wanted him to start an orphanage. So he set about praying that God would send him the money, send him the supplies, because something like this would need a lot of supplies. It would help him to find the location and help him to have the staff 
And actually, quite funnily, he prayed for all of these things. He eventually gets all of them. But I remember he also realized he had never prayed for the kids to come. So they had to start praying for that, too, because no kids showed up when the orphanage was, like, ready to go. But anyway, without ever sending a newsletter asking for money or requesting letters or going to any kind of grant meetings with the government, nothing like that, God provided every single thing the orphanage needed to get started, um, sometimes very slowly and steadily. It all comes in, though, in the end through prayer. And it happened. And honestly, there's no way we could fit all the miracles that happened in his life into one story. I mean, there's just, there's really no other story like it. But we're doing an episode on George Mueller. So we have to tell you at least one really good one. And I found this one, uh, a story. It's not actually about the orphanage, but it's still, it it just gives you an idea, I think, into the mindset of George Mueller. And so Joel is going to tell you, I, I think, a really just I try to imagine myself doing this. And I just don't think I would have done it. Yeah, and, and like, like Troy said, there's there's countless stories of uh, George Mueller and his faith. In in that initial episode one of Revive Thoughts, there was a great story about uh, an orphanage that didn't have food, and like a truck carrying uh, food broke down like right outside, and that food was going to spoil, and it fed the orphanage that they didn't have. Food. Like like crazy coincidences like that. Um, that George Mueller clearly attributes, hey, I prayed, the Lord provided, time and time again, that happens. This instance, he was uh, on a on a boat, and he was sailing to the Americas, and they were, in, they were just in a terrible, dense fog, and they had to slow their progress because they couldn't see very far. It was very dense fog, and George Mueller had somewhere he needed to be that next day, and he talked about it with the captain a bit, but the captain was insistent, hey, we, we physically can't go faster, safer. And so George Mueller said, hey, okay, I'm going to go down uh, below deck and I'm going to pray that this fog lifts and uh, we're going to be on our way in no time. And the captain followed him down uh, under deck and George Mueller, he didn't he didn't say much, but he just prayed, you know, a simple prayer that God would take the, the fog away. And the captain, uh, you know, attempted his own prayer at the same being sympathetic to the cause. And George stopped him. He knew the captain wasn't a believer. And he says, hey, God's going to answer my prayer. We got this. It's it's essentially already taken care of. That that mindset of it's already taken care of. And they went back up to the top of the deck. And sure enough, uh, the fog was, was lifting and was gone. And they were able to get to their destination on time. And I... Uh, the thing that kind of amazes me about these faith missions, like like your George Mueller or your Hudson Taylor, is their obviously their confidence in God, but their walk with God is so close that they have their full confidence in what they're praying. That how how should I put this? What's the best way to put this? They know what they should be praying for. You know, if it was me, I would be like, oh, maybe God's in control. Maybe uh, He doesn't want me there for a reason. Maybe I shouldn't be there for some reason. Maybe I need to be late for some reason. But I, I don't think, I mean, this, this, that's, not a, that's not a wrestle that these people have. They know where they need to be, and they know that God is going to get them there. They know what they need to do, and they know the Lord is going to provide for that. And that comes with a step-in-step walk with the Holy Spirit that I feel like a lot of us are trying to achieve. We're trying to get there to the point where our goals and God's goals are the same, and they're aligning perfectly. And th- that's what strikes me the most is uh, not only does he pray in full confidence, but he knows what he needs to ask for and knows that that is going to be delivered in, in full confidence is is uh, is kind of fascinating to think about. It's this kind of strong confidence and God's abilities to answer prayers. And it started with that that college tuition. Uh, that that same faith would go on to clothe and feed and educate tens of thousands of orphans. And it would go on to inspire the China Inland Missionary by Hudson Taylor that would see 
untold numbers additionally more come to Christ, and it serves as an inspiration to us all still in today's day and age. In this sermon, George Mueller challenges us to use this life that we have to bring God glory and to truly make it count. All are in great danger, even the children of God, of forgetting that life is given to us as a precious talent to be used for the Lord and for blessing to ourselves. So many are going on as if dreaming, as if life was not a reality. We are continually in danger of forgetting practically that we have but one life and that this one life on earth is in comparison with eternity, very, very brief. Now, in order to counteract all of this, God, in His grace, has given words to us in His book, like our text, whereby He, our friend in heaven, speaks loudly to our hearts. And He says to us, Now, mind what you are about. Your life is but brief. You have but one single life on earth. What you have to do, do with all your might, because when this life is over, you have not another life on earth. With all our strength, we are to do what we do. In the first place, the first great thing to do, above all, is to care about the salvation of our own souls. Everything else in comparison with this is of little importance. Now, I affectionately ask all those present how have we attended above everything else to the salvation of our own souls? And are we certain upon scriptural grounds that we have made no mistake about it, that all is settled regarding this matter? Are we sure that we are not walking the broad road leading to destruction, but are definitely walking on the narrow road leading to life everlasting? Is it settled? And remember, this is to be settled not by our own feelings or by what this one or the other tells us, but to be brought about by God's only standard, to be settled by the Word of God. I direct the attention of any here who are, as yet, in any measure of uncertainty about this to a few passages. Romans 3, verses 20 through 22. A righteousness God can accept which comes from Him through the Lord Jesus Christ, a righteousness obtained by putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation after we have been made to see ourselves sinners, passed sentence on ourselves, and accepted what has been so mercifully provided for. The greatest of the vilest and most hardened sinner in the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is unto all and upon all them that believe. None is accepted. Any and everyone may have it. It is not offered to this one or that one only, but it is for all. But it is not for all, but we read upon all them that believe. No one is excluded. No one can say, I have desired to have this righteousness, but could never attain it. It is for every poor sinner, if he is willing to accept what God has provided for him. 
Verse 24, justified because it is a righteousness of his own, provided by giving up his son, who at all times and under all circumstances acted according to the will of God. Then in chapter 10, we read being justified by faith. We have to put our trust in Christ to depend upon Christ. Then we are counted as just ones, righteous ones, in the sight of God, Romans 8, verse 1. The poor sinner, united to Christ, becomes a member of the body of which Christ is the head through faith in the Lord Jesus. One passage more, and I quote it because it is so apt for the weakest and feeblest sinner who puts his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Here are two points brought before us whereby we can settle whether we are saved or not. First, we are to believe in our hearts that Christ is raised from the dead. And secondly, with the mouth to confess the Lord Jesus Christ. These two points are so united together in the same individual. Not that we believe that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead only. Not that we confess the Lord Jesus only. But that these two points are found in us. Now, in whatever ways our faith is weak, how very weak, Yet, in all true believers, we find no doubt with regard to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe He was nailed to the cross and shed His blood to save sinners, that He was taken down and put into the grave, but raised again. But this is not the only point. If we desire to be sure of the salvation of our souls, we must combine this with the confession of Christ. We must let men know what we depend on for salvation, the merits and sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is this without the belief of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will give no comfort. If we believe and do not confess him, we will have no assurance in the matter of salvation. But as surely as these two points are found in one individual, God declares, not that I declare it, but God declares it, that they will be saved. Now I am a poor sinner, but wicked, guilty, hell-deserving sinner though I am, I will be saved because I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. I am as certain about it as if I had been one of the guards who had seen him come from the grave. Nay, more certain, for I might have been mistaken or deluded by my sight, but God declares it in his word. And I believe it. And I do confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, though I have done it tens of hundreds of times. And so, though a poor, hell-deserving sinner, I will be saved. One more passage. Acts 10, verse 43. Do you want to get rid of the burden on your conscience? To be at peace in your soul, knowing that your sins are forgiven? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, for whosoever does this will receive remission of sins and obtain the forgiveness of all of their numberless transgressions. This fear of our salvation can be so easily settled if we desire to settle it by Scripture alone. Now, with this being done, the question is, what is next to put our hands to do? If the matter of salvation is settled, the most deeply important point is to glorify God while life is continued to us. That is our great business, 
when we show our love and gratitude for God, for all His great love and wondrous grace in the gift of His only Son. To live for Him, to glorify Him, we should make the great soul business of our whole life in comparison with which all other business is trifling. David says, This one thing I have desired. Psalm 17, verse 4. Not six things I have desired. Not five, not four. This one thing. One. One. And so it should be with every child of God, with every true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. After the matter of salvation is settled, there should be this one thing. To live for God. To glorify God. Now this implies a great deal. And in order that the subject, to the utmost of my ability, may be of a practical character, I will hint at a few things. For instance, we're surrounded by poor believers. Do we care for these? Do we seek to minister to them with supplies from our own means? Are we really interested in their day-to-day concerns? Do we realize that this is the will of God concerning us? That if there are poor believers surrounding us, that it is his mind that we should care for them. There are sick ones. Do we care for their comfort? Aid them? Minister to their necessities? Provide things to ease their pain and comfort them on their bed of languishing? Do we care for them with all our might? Not in a trifling, careless way, but with our might. As the Lord himself says in his own word to do, are we doing it? Then again, there are fellow believers not merely to be cared for physically, but spiritually. If we see one uninstructed and we have a little more knowledge, are we ready to help on and instruct him? When we see any cast down, are we ready to encourage him? When we see a brother in doubt, are we ready to do what we can to increase his faith by communicating how the Lord has provided for us to encourage him to trust in God? Do we, with our might, seek to help those who are weak in the faith? When we see a brother departing from the narrow way, do we go after him? and seek to restore his soul in meekness according to the mind of Christ? With our might, we're able to do it. Let us ask ourselves this, for as we are sowing, so will the reaping be after. And let us never forget the words, do it with your might. Not in a slovenly way, not carelessly, not in a half hearted, trifling way. No. Not giving away what does not cost us anything, but we are to do with our might what we do. For we have only one life to glorify God in. And again, it can be done by taking a deep and lively interest in the work of God. What are we doing in this way? In the work of God at home, our first priority is at home. For it would not do us to go out and neglect them. They have the first place in our lives. But having attended to the spiritual welfare of our families and neighbors in the sphere in which God has specifically put us, what are we doing for our fellow men surrounding us? 
Do we care for their souls according to our strength and time and ability? Do we seek to pluck them as brands from the burning? Do we seek to win souls for the Lord? For we are left here for that reason among others. How many spiritual children have we? Beloved brethren and sisters, can we point to one? If so, blessed be God, but that is very little. Our life is not being as redeemed as it might be. There might be five or ten. <laughs> Beloved in Christ, let us see to it that in the end we will be able to say to the praise and the honor and glory of God, Here I am and the children which God has given me. Let us see to it that we do not go to heaven alone. How many spiritual children do we have? The more, the better. Let us not say it is not to be expected because I am not a preacher that I should have any spiritual children. The Holy Spirit is given to us for the very purpose that out of us may flow rivers of living water. John 7 verse 38. And if we do not grieve or quench the Spirit, it is impossible to say to what degree rivers of living water may flow from us as regards the conversion of our fellow men. And for the building up of our brothers and sisters in Christ, it is impossible to say to what degree the Holy Spirit is ready to use us if we are desirous of being used and if we live in such a way as to be vessels ready for the Master's use. 1 Timothy 2, verse 21. There are brethren laboring abroad. Do we feel an interest in such, praying for blessing on such, seek to minister to their physical necessities, mental comfort, and spiritual advancement? Do we contribute our money in addition to giving our prayers? For if our prayers mean anything, they will be accompanied by sacrificial tokens of love. What? Are we doing? And are we doing it with our might? Ah, beloved brethren and sisters, let us awaken ourselves. If we have been drowsy and sleepy, let us get out of our sleep and attend to the words, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Have we, with our might, aided the brethren laboring at home? Those under trying circumstances, as many are, with our might, this is to be done. Again, the word of God is to be spread abroad over the earth. It has been published in 250 languages. What are we doing to spread it? What are we doing to spread tracts now that it exists in so many languages? What in regard to Sunday schools, ragged schools for destitute, neglected children? With what interest do we seek to lend a helping hand? Do we satisfy ourselves by giving the merest trifles once a year because we do not like to appear to do nothing? God does not look at what we give, but God looks at what is left behind. We see this in the example our Holy Lord brings before us, the widow who cast two mites into the treasury. The merest trifle... But what had she left? She gave her all. So God looks at the amount left after we have given. And if we couple our text with this idea, <laughs> uh, beloved brethren and sisters, what an effect it will have on us. 
and how it will stir us up and awaken us in a way in which we have never been awake before. And now, a few words about the third part of our subject. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. This is a deeply important point to be noticed. We have only one life, and that is a brief one. And the end of it will be, if the coming of the Lord Jesus doesn't prevent this, that we will enter the grave. The time will be over. The opportunities granted to us in great abundance on earth will be over. Only this remains. As was the sowing, so will be the reaping. Sowing sparingly brings us a very poor harvest, and it brings reaping sparingly. But having sown bountifully, we reap also bountifully. This has nothing to do with the matter of salvation, for our sins are gone. But then will come the reward of grace. And as we sow, so we will reap. Now, brethren, beloved, let us with earnestness see to it that there will be a bountiful harvest. But a bountiful harvest will only take place if there has been bountiful sowing. This very evening, how much do we need to do? Tomorrow morning, how much? Tomorrow evening, how much? And so, throughout the week, throughout next month, and throughout the remainder of our earthly pilgrimage, I affectionately beg and entreat my beloved fellow believers to lay these things to heart and to ask God to impress deeply on your hearts that you have but one life on earth and that that one life on earth is a brief life in comparison with eternity. And therefore beseech him in the riches of his grace to help you make the very best use of this one brief life, which is as a precious talent entrusted to you. God grant it for the glory of his name, the blessing of yourselves, the good of the world lying in the wicked one, and the good and profit and blessing of the church at large. God grant it for Christ's sake. Amen. In this sermon, George Mueller is encouraging people to not uh, waste their life, but to use their life in a way that matters, that you only have one life, you only have one opportunity. And if you listen to this episode, you maybe go back and you listen to the other George Mueller, if you're listening to Revive Divas, if you listen to a lot of episodes of Revive Thoughts, there can be one problem that I think can occur. And you can start to think, wow, these super Christians, these I, I, these people are above me. And then I think we've all sat in church or heard pastors say, well, these people were just like you. You know, Paul was a man just like you. But in your head, you're going like, yeah, but not. Like, they're not. There's no way I can do the things that I do. George Mueller 
one of his missions, when you read his book and you look at his life, you can see that one of his missions, he really tries to tell you more than anybody I think I've ever seen that one of any more than any of these great leaders, because maybe Hudson Taylor, maybe some that Charles Spurgeon is unattainable. Maybe as much as they inspire you to be better, you can't become them. But George Mueller goes out of his way to say, I don't have a special gift here. I am just like you. I'm just trusting God. The only difference between me and you is just Jesus Christ and the fact that I'm really, really trusting his promises. I'm really, really praying with the idea that God will answer my prayers. And he encourages you. I think George Mueller, more than any of the people we have on this show, encourages you to be like him and to say you can do it too he literally says that the whole orphanage project part of the reason he set it up was to prove that it could be done that you could do it too that you can have that faith that he has and he says that like this life that i'm living is not special it's affordable to all the christians that they just really believe the words of christ and so it, it, it can be easy to hear George's life and go, no, he's special. But listen to George as he tells you he's not. Remember where George came from. He was the criminal thug guy who stole from people who was really rotten and didn't go see his mom on her deathbed. It, in George's opinion, really seems to be, if someone as bad as me can have a faith that moves mountains like this, how much better could someone like you, who didn't start in such a rough spot, how much more could you do if you just really, really believed what God is writing? And so I really encourage you not to walk away from this episode on George Mueller and go, okay, well, good for George, not not attainable for me, but to really ask yourself, what is he, you know, what is holding me back from living a life that is also as faithful as George's was? Thank you for listening to today's episode of Revive Thoughts. Today's sermon was narrated by Ed Backel. Pastor Ed is a Washington State native. He has taught for 30 plus years in churches in Oregon, Washington, and Nebraska. He's currently in Warden, Washington, and he's been serving with Warden Community Church since May of 2010. Ed Backel, by the way, is just a gem of Revive Thoughts. He has done several episodes with us from Christmas Evans to John Wesley. Um, as several others. If you have not gone and listened to his episodes, I encourage you to go listen to all of them. They're all very, very good. Uh, we have lots of wonderful and great speakers, but Ed has done several, several episodes. Pastor Ed is, we are extremely blessed by him and we, we encourage you to go listen to all his episodes. And um, yeah, we're just, we're very blessed by his help. Uh, we just want to say thank you to all of you who have been supporting Revived uh, Thoughts. We also want to thank those of you who have been sending us messages, encouraging us that you really enjoyed Revived Conversations in those past two episodes we've done of those. You helped give us the confidence to do some more of those for you, so thank you so much. Um, if you have not told a friend about Revive Studios, about Revive Thoughts, if you have not subscribed to Revive Devos, uh, we highly encourage you on this episode to tell some friends and to go subscribe to Revive Devos. Go listen to some more George Mueller and uh, be deeply encouraged and uh, hope you guys are all doing well. Uh, this is Troy Angel, and this is Revive Thoughts. Mm-hmm.